Hello and welcome to our weekly podcast from Faith Point Church, Auckland, New Zealand. We hope you will encounter God afresh in this week's teaching segment. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to hear more, then you can visit us at www.faithpoint.org.nz. And now for today's message. Are you blessed this morning? If you know the Lord, you're permanently blessed. You cannot be unblessed because he made a covenant with you that he would bless you at all times. And now he wants to teach you how to bless him at all times. And that's what I want to talk a little bit about today is, um, is praise. You know, this morning as we uh, open the word of God, two weeks ago I um, began a new series in church. Haven't really done a series. This We've touched this year on the main prophetic word. God gave us one word as a church for Uh, 2016, and that was traction, that this year for your life is going to be a year of traction, forward momentum, gaining fresh adhesion and grip in your life to move from where you are today forward to a better place in your life. Who wants to be in a better place than they are today? Amen? And uh, and so... uh, I want to take, uh, I'm just going to take a, when I get the opportunity to speak, because we're getting a lot more preachers in the church, and I want to give them opportunity as well. My heart is, as a, as a spiritual dad is to grow up spiritual sons that will excel and run past me. That is my true heart's desire. Because if I'm older than them, that means that I'm going to expire before them. And they need to carry on after I've expired. You know, like those ever-ready batteries that just keep going and going and going. Well, I'm, I'm believing I'm going to go for a long time, but I want to see them go bigger, better, further, faster, sleeker, and, uh, and see them achieve the will of God within their life. So um, I, what I'm doing is that I'm doing a, 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 a bit of a series on Faith Point's vision and values. Some of you haven't been at Faith Point for a long time. And I want to communicate to you what God's placed within my heart as the founding pastor of this church, some of the key values. You see, vision is essential for all of our lives. What, what is vision? Vision is the ability to see ahead of where you are today. Now, we can all have a self-proclaimed vision for our lives, but that's not the one that we want to follow. Because if you're a child of God today, the vision that you, you need to follow for your life is the one that God has pre-planned for you. The Bible teaches that we're all predestined, that God chose you before the foundation of the, of the world. I know the plans, Jeremiah 29, that I have for you, plans for good and not for evil, plans for a future and plans for a hope. That's the prophet speaking today. So God has a prophetic destiny for your life today. That means He has a vision for you. And uh, we want to see your individual uh, call of God that God's placed upon your life. We want to see that come to pass. We want to see you put your hand to the plough and be doing the things that God has called you to do. Your unique shape, your unique identity, your unique gifting that you have in God. But also as a church, when God had in His mind three years ago to plant Faith Point Church, He had a picture in His mind of what we're called to do and what we're called to be. Amen. And what he does is that God doesn't use uh, manuals. 
and technical specifications to carry out a vision. God calls a man and a woman and He places inside of them that picture of the future so they can lead His people into the future. That's called being a visionary. That's carrying, that's being a container that carries and casts the vision of God. Are you with me so far? Amen. Amen. But with it, the, the, have you ever asked yourself the question, in your workplace right now, and you don't have to answer this question, but let me ask you, how's the culture in your workplace right now? Is it one of empowerment? Is it one of uh, taking initiative? Is it one of uh, where you're encouraged to take steps, forward progressive steps without getting a slap across the wrist? Or is it a culture of fear and intimidation and bullying in the marketplace? Because if you're feeling those things, then there's something that has been programmed into the DNA or the culture of your workplace that is unhealthy. So where do those things come from? This is where they come from. They come from a word called values. Our values is our personal belief system of what we want to see happen and come to pass in our lives. And our, and our values, actually, they are the one that determine the culture. So the true values of any local church will actually cause the DNA in the culture to become apparent and come to the surface. Let me put it to you another way. Let me put it to you another way this morning. What we value, what we hold important and dear to our lives will determine our behaviour. For example, if you say that you're a family man, you've got young children, but you're doing 70-hour weeks, you're off to work at dark, you come home in the dark, the kids are in bed, you never see them, and you say that you're a family man, then either you're a family man that's in the wrong job, and if that's true, then you'll be twisted on the inside and you'll be churning up on the inside because what you are practising in reality is not lining up with what you say you value. I value family. Well, if you value family, you need to spend time with family. Or, alternatively, it's actually not a real value of yours and you're actually just pretending. You're saying that you're a family man, but you've chosen to work 70-hour weeks and you never get to see the family. You see what I'm talking about? Our values actually, what we really hold dear to, will eventually determine our behaviour and it will build a culture. So what I'm doing here in this new series, and we touched on the first message, that praise releases the supernatural of God, and I'm going to do a part two of that today. So praise is a high value at Faith Point. And the reason why you think, well, that's a funny sort of a value to be preaching. You know, I would have thought that you would have touched on love or maybe generosity or, or maybe family as a culture. Well, friends, the reason why I've touched on it is because it's been such a powerful weapon in my life that I can speak out of a experience of what it means to discover God in a new way through the power of praise and worship. And then when you go into the Scriptures, you'll find in almost every book of the Bible where God called a man or a woman and they learnt how to connect with Him through praise and worship and it brought God into their world like nothing else could.
So our, the reason why it's such a high value for us as a church is because I know if I can get you to connect with God through praise, He's going to change your life. He's going to do something in you that could never be done except that you came in a connection through praise. Amen? So let's just pray. Father, we thank you today for the uh, Word of God. Lord, we're just so grateful that we're not left flying blind, that you've placed through centuries, you've guarded the writings of men who have been inspired by the Holy Spirit. This word is God-breathed. And this morning, Lord, as we take your God-breathed word, may it be living and active in this place today. May it be sharper than a two-edged sword. May it divide asunder soul and spirit, that which is soulish and of man and that which is spirit, which is of God. I pray today, let the word of God come and let the word of God be quickened in our hearts and minds today. In Jesus' mighty, mighty name. You know, as a church, we have a vision. And if we could have that vision statement up there uh, today, Peter. Our vision is making disciples that make disciples, building the kingdom of God one life at a time. It's a very simple vision statement. And Jesus was a great visionary. Jesus, Jesus continually cast the vision. Many times he told the vision through a story that we call a parable. And uh, Jesus cast the vision for the body in general, the church, and uh, he, he, sa he said that, uh, that he, this is how he, he cast it. He gave us a picture of a field full of wheat in which the grain heads changed colour and they were white. And if you've ever known about a farm, I grew up where we actually grew wheat on the farm. That's the time when it's harvest time where the grain begins to go a whitish shade from a yellowish to a whitish shade. And then you know it's time for harvest. And this is what Jesus was saying. He was saying, don't say that the harvest is in the, a future period of time, four months away. He's saying the harvest is ripe right now and it's ready for harvesting. Do you know what he said? Do you know what that converts to? This is what that converts to. That means that there's people directly in your personal realm of contact right now who are ripe for harvesting and God wants to connect you to them and bring them to the place of salvation in Jesus Christ. They're actually ready and they're waiting for somebody who's sent to come and begin to share the good news of the gospel to them. And then Jesus didn't just give us a vision, He gave us a strategy. When you have vision, you've also got to have strategy. It's great to be able to say, we're going to do this, this, and this, because the Lord said this, this, and this. Well, how are you going to do it? That's called strategy. And so Jesus gave us the strategy in Matthew 28. And in Matthew 28, He said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Now I want you to take that authority and I want you to go and I want you to make disciples of all nations, ethnos, of every ethnicity across the face of the planet. I want you to penetrate cultures with the good news. And then I want you to go to individuals and I want you to go and make disciples. In other words, disciples aren't born, they are made. And that's why I see so many in the body of Christ today saying, I feel fatherless. I feel like a spiritual orphan because nobody's ever discipled me. And they're just trying to make it up 
as they go because the church hasn't fulfilled the mandate that Jesus gave to us to go and make disciples because we were never made. We don't know how to make another one. Can I hear an amen out there somewhere? And I know this by experience because so many people I've talked to in our, in our congregations on years gone by, that's exactly their experience. And so for us as a church, we're simply taking Jesus' vision and we're trying to make it practical. And this is how practical it gets. One life at a time. You can talk about your tens, your fifties, your hundreds and your thousands, but I want to tell you how a disciple's made. One life at a time. Hallelujah. So this morning as we move into our values today, we're going to talk about praise. Praise, the word praise means to commend. It means to applaud. It means to magnify. So in context, as we use praise towards God, we are applauding His great name. We are magnifying the magnificence of the most magnificent one that there's ever been. And we're, and we're giving direct uh, praise and glory to the attributes of who He is and who He's revealed Himself to be. And when we engage in praise as an activity, the Bible says certain things are unlocked. And we talked a little bit about Paul and Silas. We talked about how in the book of Acts, they were thrown into jail. Before they were thrown into jail, they were beaten badly, mercilessly. They were carrying the stripes. They were still bleeding and they were locked in stocks in a dungeon and a cell that had no ablution block. So they had to sit in their own excrement. There was no windows in the cell. There was just bars. There was just, because this is the context of the day that we know what the cells were like. And here they are, bruised, beaten, And yet at the sound of midnight, the Bible says the other prisoners began to hear a sound come from their cell. And it was the sound of a sacrifice of praise. Because friends, do you think they felt like praising God? Do you think that they thought, oh, this is wonderful. I'm in such a good place with God. Friends, they were licking their wounds. They were beaten. And so that's what it means to bring a sacrifice of praise. A sacrifice of praise is when you you bring it and you don't feel like it but you bring it anyway. And there was so much power in that, that the Bible says the whole earth shook. God sent an earthquake. The prison cell doors were broken open and they walked free men. And that's a picture in the spirit of what happens to us when we learn the power of praise. Prison doors in your life will begin to open and your chains will be broken. Captives will be set free because you've learnt how to engage God through praise. Not just corporate praise, but where you can come into the presence of God wherever you are, in your car, walking on your way to work, wherever you are, you can engage the Holy One and you can begin to worship and praise His wonderful name. You see, praise manifests God's presence. Psalm 22 verse 3 says, He inhabits or He dwells in the midst of the praises of God's people. Isn't that amazing? And so God manifests Himself when we praise Him. And you know what praise does? Praise repels the enemy. You know what that means? That means when we come together in this house today, the enemy 
cannot stand what's going on in this place. He's disgusted by your praise. He can't handle the fact that you've deliberately, willingly, and, and, and personally chosen to praise God this morning. Therefore, he is repelled and pushed back by the praises that you begin to engage in as you come into the house of God this morning. Psalm 50 says, Whosoever offers praise glorifies me. Amen. Whoso offers, offers praise, glory, you're bringing glory to God. And I'm going to take you through some of the scriptures this morning, many of them Psalms, because they were songs of praise. But I want to unlock today in specific, which is why I've chosen a part two message. I want to unlock to you today the power of praise, which is so significant that it actually silences your enemies. If you've got some sounds in your life today, that are trying to silence you, I want to tell you that through praise you can silence them. As you learn how to engage with the one who gave his life for you. In the Old Testament, 2 Chronicles 20, there's a story where the, the children of Israel are surrounded by numerous enemies. They actually join together in order to decimate Israel. And listen, here's a principle that you find in the Old Testament over and over again. When they humbled themselves, you know what humbling yourself is? Humbling yourself is when you say to God, Father, I don't know, I don't know what to do in this situation. I feel like everything's against me. I don't know how I'm going to get out of this situation. I don't know how I'm going to move forward in my life. But I need to come to you and I need to, I need to humble. I need to, the word humble means to lower yourself. I'm going to lower myself in my heart before you, and I'm going to call upon the name of the Lord. And he that calls upon the name of the Lord shall be delivered out of their circumstances. The whole nation comes together for a prayer meeting. They humble themselves as they've been surrounded by their enemies. And God says, I've got your number. I'll take care of you. I'm going to fight for you and on your behalf. I want you to go into battle and watch me take care of your enemies. And you know what King Jehoshaphat did in verse 20, uh, 21? And he says this, and when he had consulted with the people, he appointed those who should sing to the Lord and who should praise the beauty of holiness as they went out before the army. Wait a minute. You're saying you sent the choir boys out in front of the guys that are carrying swords and spears and shields? You sent the choir out in front of the army? Are you guys nuts? What do you think? They're just going to wipe all those boys out. They're defenceless. All they've got is their voice. Singing sweet songs to Jesus. Oh, well, that's all good for you. You can be all spiritual and out there and praise God and everything else, but I've got bills to pay. I've got things I need to do here. Friends, come on, let's listen to the Word of God. Let's listen to what the Bible teaches us about engaging God with His way of doing things, not our way. And so they send the choir out in front of the army. And they, they sang this, praise the Lord for His mercy endures forever. Can you imagine the army? They're kind of like, what, 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 what? <laughs> praise the Lord, His mercy. Is that all you got? Is that all you've got? Look what happens next. Verse 22. Now when they began to sing and to praise. When was that? When they began to sing and praise. 
Come on. The Lord set ambushes against the people of Ammon, Moab, Mount Seir, who had come against Judah, and they were defeated this morning. Hallelujah. So this tells us when you're locked in, when you're surrounded by your enemies, when those billites turn up in your mailbox and you think, how the heck am I going to pay those bills? When those things come against you, that you know, that come against you, you need to understand today that no weapon formed against you shall prosper. Every word spoken against you in judgment, thou shalt condemn, for this is your heritage. This is what belongs to you this morning. It's yours for the taking. Wow. Thank you, Father. And I want to show you a principle that Jesus actually exemplified. And this is with the advantage of reading both Old and New Testament. That's the whole Bible, friends. That's the whole Bible. And it does wonders when you read the whole Bible because the Old Testament's got to say some really cool things and the New Testament's got to say some really cool things and you get a whole picture of the full counsel when you dive into both the Old and the New. Amen this morning. And so let me read to you from Psalm 8, the Old Testament. And here's a principle that Jesus enforced. And I want to show you how simple this is, but how powerful it is. Psalm 8 Verse 1, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth. You know, the sheets I've given to you today, please use them. They're valuable. People have taken a lot of time to put those things together. But what you'll find is that on those, if you can increase your vocabulary of biblical praise, your prayer times will come alive because all of a sudden you've got some ammunition in your mouth that is going to defeat the enemy today. You who have set your glory above the heavens, here's the principle, out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants, you have ordained strength. Strength. Okay, this is interesting. Why? Because of your enemies, listen to this, that you may silence the enemy and the avenger. There it is in black and white. Out of the mouths of infants and babes, you have ordained strength because of your enemies that you may silence the enemy and the avenger. And David learned a spiritual concept during his life that helped him continuously, time after time, go through David's life, time after time, he hit a brick wall. Do you know what he did? He turned and worshipped to the Lord and he began to praise the name of his God. You come to me with sword and spear, but I come to you in the name of the God of Israel. You uncircumcised Philistine, three times his size. No fear, because he's coming in the name of the Lord. He's learned how to engage the name of the Lord in worship. And David carried God with him wherever he went because he'd learned the power of connection. And he knew through his praise to God, he was able to silence the enemy and the avenger, the one that's after. Did you know that the devil hates you? This morning, I wish the people of God could get this concept and understand it. Jesus said he's a thief. Jesus said he's the liar and the father of all lies. That means he can't tell you the truth because the truth is not in him. So he'll tell you a variation of the truth, which is a lie. It's a deception. And he does that because he hates you. He wants you to stumble. He wants you to fall. He wants, the reason why he does that, because his only way of getting back to the Almighty is to get back through his children. 
That's why he's known as the avenger. An avenger avenges. And he wants to avenge your life in order to pay back God for casting him out of heaven because Lucifer said, I will be like the most high God. God said, sorry, mate, there's no room for you in here. There's only one place for God, that's me. And you wanna be the one that's the chief. I'm sorry, there's no more room here. Cast down to the earth with a third of the angels, which are now known as evil spirits. That's the doctrine of the scriptures. Ooh, are you okay? All right. And so David had learnt the concept of engaging God through praise and he'd learnt that just like a simple child can engage in praise to God, that it gave them strength. And so instead of getting all complex and the theory of this, that and the next thing, when David's back was against the wall, he went like a little child straight into engaging God through praise and thus silencing his enemies on a continual basis. Wow. So Jesus quotes David as he's coming into Jerusalem. Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. The Passover feast. They're throwing out clothes for him to walk on. They're hailing and praising his name. The Pharisees are saying, how dare you call him the Messiah? They're trying to silence the voice of the praises. This is exactly what the devil will do when you learn the power of praise. He'll go, that's enough. It's never enough. It's never. You can praise God night and day, day and night. It's never enough, friends. You can praise him continuously. They tried to silence the voice of the praises and Jesus quotes this psalm, Psalm 8, except he quotes it with an interpretation. Look at this. Verse 16 of Matthew 21 and Jesus said to him, do you, hear, uh, do you hear what these are saying? And Jesus said to them, yes, have you never read out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants, you have perfected praise. David said, you've ordained strength. Jesus said, you've perfected praise. So you know what perfected praise is? The revelation on perfected praise is that it releases supernatural strength into your life. So when you're feeling down and out, when you're feeling in trouble, <laughs> when you're feeling the weight of the world, you know the best medicine that you can deploy when your back is up against the wall is to say, soul, why are you disquieted within me? You will yet rise and you will praise God today. You see, David wouldn't allow his soulish feelings to dominate the direction of his life. We're spirit, soul, and body. And so David commanded his soul from his spirit that th this isn't the way it's going to, you're not going to be depressed, you're not going to be down, you're not going to be out. I'm, you will yet praise God. And he commanded his body to lift those hands. He released those lips to begin to seek praises to God. And as a result, he came out of what he was in because he deployed the great secret weapon of the scriptures the power of praise. That's why we get so exuberant in this church when it comes to praise. We don't want to come to church and think we come to the morgue. Church should be the most exciting, exuberant, 
fun-filled, life-giving place on earth, especially when we begin to release praise, because right at that point in time, you're silencing the enemy around about your life, and he's trying to break through, but he can't get in because praise has walled him out and shielded him out, and he can't break through today. And the thing is, that supernatural praise, friends, that simple act of praise, you know why it works? It works because... The act of praise is bigger than you. You know why it's bigger than you? Because you engage a God who's bigger than you and bigger than all your enemies when you begin to praise. And it launches spiritual weapons that demolish the strength of the enemy. Hallelujah. I think of David's life. You know, we don't have to go through this, all the scriptures today, but do you remember David was an anointed musician? He was a psalmist. He wrote the lyrics and he wrote the music. And King Saul had recognized the anointing on his life, not just for cutting off Goliath's head, but he recognized that there was a praise and worship anointing on David's life. And so because Saul had disobeyed God, he was troubled by an evil spirit. And when that evil spirit stirred him up, he'd go crazy. He'd go loco. And the only thing that could calm him down, he'd say, bring me David. Quick, where's David? I need him right now. Where's my medicine man? And David would be quickly called into the courts of the king and he would bring out his guitar and he'd begin to worship. And the Bible says that as he began to worship, the spirit that was troubling Saul settled right down because of the power of David's worship and his praise. Evil spirits hate praise and worship from God's people. I've seen it time and time again. Guy attacked me once in a service, came right out of the seats, tried to take me out before my bouncers came and bounced him. But that was in that was in the that was in the in the cauldron of a church that was amped in praise and worship. And he was so stirred up, he was so he couldn't. And in the end, this guy who was absolutely crazy, who later on said to his girlfriend that he wanted to kill me, two days later he committed an armed robbery and ended up in, um, in jail for a long period of time. And he, was on, he was on pee. He was high as a kite. And, uh, and you see, the thing is, is that that's when you realise that greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. And we were able to get that guy to a point where he was almost in his right mind, settled right down, as a result of the anointing that was going on in that service. So this is where David, how do we deploy this principle? This is what David, uh, this is what Jesus said about this principle. And please, can you get this today? Because this is probably the simplest principle you can ever get in the Word of God. Matthew eleven twenty five. At that time, Jesus answered and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and the prudent, and you've revealed them to babes. What was Jesus saying? He was saying, he was saying, to people who get too intellectually high for their own good, you're not going to be able to capture this principle because even young children can praise me and they can learn this principle of simply engaging me in praise. And if you try and get too far ahead of yourself and too intellectually good for yourselves, then you're never going to capture the principle because I reveal and I give revelation and simplicity to hearts that are simple and hearts that are ready to embrace. You said it, I believe it, that settles it. 
It's that kind of faith that we have today. Psalm 149 says, Let the high praises of God be in their mouth and the two-edged sword in their hand. Amen. The sword, the two-edged sword, what's that? The Word of God. That's what the Bible says. It's a two-edged sword. So he says, take both this two-edged sword, take both the Word of God and also your mouth, which is a weapon against the enemy. Let it be filled with praise. Let the high praises of God be in your mouth. Amen. Not just thinking about it. From here, out of here, in your mouth and take the Word of God and you'll be able to silence the work of the enemy. Here's a few ways. Let me take you to some uh, some of the original Hebrew words in Scripture will actually show us quite clearly what true praise is all about. And I, I'm just going to go through them very simply so that you can understand today that there is a variety of ways that God has called us to praise Him. Is that okay? So that you can just lock that and load it into your heart. Psalm 113, praise ye the Lord. Praise ye, the, O ye servants of the Lord, praise the name of the Lord. That word is halal in the Hebrew. Also the shortened verb form of hallelujah. And this is what it means. It means to make a show, to boast, to be clamorously foolish, to rave. Any ravers in the house today? My wife will often say to me, you're raving, James. Not that kind of raving, but raving for God. Amen. So it's, a shout, it's, it's an overt expression of emotion to the Lord. How about this? Psalm 115, verse 18. But we will bless the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. Praise the Lord. This is the word Barak. It means to kneel in adoration. So one minute we're loudly and clamorously and raving about God. And then in a moment, you can be down on your knees in adoration before the Lord because that's a valid form of praise as well. Psalm 116 verse 2. Because he has inclined his ear unto me, therefore I will call upon him as long as I live. This is the word quara, which means to call out, to preach, to proclaim, to cry unto, to cry unto the Lord. Psalm 116 verse 17. I will offer to thee the sacrifices of thanksgiving and will call upon the name of the Lord. This is the word tadah, which is a choir of worshippers with upraised hands. You want to know where choirs came from? They were invented in the Old Testament where they formed huge numbers that came together to praise the name of the Lord. How about this? Psalm 117. Oh, praise the Lord, all you nations. Praise Him, all you people, is the word Shabak, which means to address in a loud, triumphant tone to glory in the Lord. I think you're getting the picture here. If I skip down to verse 24 of Psalm 118, this is the day which the Lord has made. You all know this one. And we will rejoice and be glad in it. It's the word gil. The word rejoice is the word gil in the Hebrew. It means to exalt, uh, sorry, it means to spin around under the influence of violent emotion. Pastor James, you don't understand my upbringing. I am from conservative English stock. We don't praise the Lord like that. We don't spin around violently. We don't rave. 
We don't clamorously shout out, hey, it could be any upbringing or background that you've been, because friends, some of our parents were very conservative, no matter what nationality you're from. Amen? And some are a little bit more extrovert in nature. The point is this, is that valid praise has many different forms for you to embrace, to kneel, to shout triumphantly, to glory, to lift your hands, to join together in a choir-like manner, to spin around violently under the anointing of God. Seen that happen many times in church services as people are expressing their praise to God. The one thing we need to understand, friends, is this, is that true praise cannot be motionless. True praise will involve some kind of expression and some kind of bodily, verbal expression from you in order to engage in God. And that's all I really want you to get today is to understand that praise silences the enemy. But true praise has very many expressions that you can begin to imbibe in. And as you do it, friends, under the freedom and the liberty of the Holy Spirit, we should never, ever frown upon somebody else's freedom that they have in worship. Michal did that when David danced before the Lord in his linen ephod and is basically in his underwear in front of the whole nation. He was so excited. He was so praising God as they brought the tabernacle back into the nation of Israel that he literally had an audience even though thousands of people were watching him. Young girls, old girls, all alike, all watching David in his linen underwear, dancing before God, worshipping with all of his heart. And his wife was up in the tower, Michal, and she looked down upon him and the Bible says she despised what David did in her heart. And you know what happened when she got the chance to talk to him? She talked to David and she said, oh, you fool, dancing like this in front of all the young maidens of Israel. And David said to her in reply, paraphrased basically this, I don't know what you're talking about, but I'm free to worship God because He's my God and I will praise Him no matter what. And the Bible says from that day forward, Michal's womb was closed and she was made barren because of her criticism towards another person's freedom to worship God. Oh, yes. Now, somebody may have a greater freedom to you. Somebody, Terry here, used to be a professional dancer. And sometimes when Terry comes and he does his thing, I can't copy him, but he does his thing as he's worshipping God. When I, when I watch him, when I watch him dance, I think to myself, wow, he's embracing the Lord. He's engaging God and what comes to him is a gift that's been given to his body. And I should never frown upon his freedom that he has because he is truly engaging God. Now listen, you might feel uncomfortable with someone else's expression of worship. But close your eyes and just try and take your own expression a little further than what you've been. Don't despise another person's freedom this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Every love affair involves the emotions. Come on. I'm in love today. Can you tell? <laughs> Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. And this is the truth, that the mouth is the centre of spiritual warfare. And it's also the hardest thing to tame. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's the centre of warfare, and it can either launch the devil's weapons 
or it can launch God's weapons. Did you get that? There is a choice. Revelation 16, 13, here's the devil's weapons, and I saw three unclean spirits like frogs come out of the mouth of the dragon and out of the mouth of the beast and out of the mouth of the false prophet. Evil spirits have a way of trying to control your mouth. All right? James 3, he nailed it. He said, the tongue is a fire. It's a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members members that it defiles the whole body and it sets on fire the course of nature and is set on fire by hell. Whoa! That's heavy. What he's basically saying is that your tongue has so much power in it that it can send you to hell. Or if if you tame it, if you tame it, it has the ability Because life and death is in the power of the spoken word in the tongue, that your tongue can produce spiritual life or it can produce spiritual death. Hallelujah. The reason there's a false name it and claim it doctrine is simply because of this. It's because the Bible contains a true name it and claim it principle. That's the reality of it. It's just that some people have taken it too far and they've gone right out on the edge and they've basically said, Right, in Jesus' name, I'm claiming the latest Mercedes-Benz sedan, and it's mine. I'm believing by next Monday I will have it because I confess it and I believe it, therefore it shall be mine. Now, your mouth has a power in it. And when God directs the words of your mouth, let me tell you, nothing in hell can stop your progress because the enemy will be silenced today. You know... God didn't keep Joseph from the pit. He didn't keep Daniel from the lion's den. He didn't keep Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego from the fiery furnace. He didn't keep them from getting in there in the first place. Have you ever thought about that? Why am I here? Why am I in this rugged place in my life today? He didn't keep them or stop them from getting in that pit, in that lion's den, or in that furnace. He didn't keep Paul and Silas from prison. But because they started praising instead of pouting, (laughs) because they started praising instead of pouting, they were set free from the lion's den. They were set free from the fiery furnace. Joseph was taken out of the pit and Paul and Silas were broken out of jail because they refused to pout and say, woe is unto me and pity on me. Instead, they turned their focus on God, began to bring a sacrifice of praise and God delivered them out of the snare of the fowler. Thank you, Jesus. I've given you a worshipper's alphabet today. You can take it home. And you can enjoy, and you can go all the way through it today. You can talk about your anxieties, or you can praise the Advocate, the All in All, the Almighty, the Alpha, the Omega, the Altogether Lovely, the Amen, the Anointed, the Apostle of our profession, the Author of eternal salvation, and the One who is alive forevermore. What are you going to choose today? Take it home. Use it as a resource in your praise time and your prayer time and your connections with God and find yourself getting on fire with the Holy Spirit as you begin to engage God today. As I finish my message today, I want to say this. The secret to the message today is continual praise. Don't let the devil stop you from praising the name of the Lord. Catch yourself when you're spinning down in a downward spiral. 
Catch yourself before you wind up at the bottom. Catch yourself when you're reacting in a menacing sort of a manner to what's going on around about you. And stop and gather your thoughts and begin to praise the name of the Lord. And watch what God happens as he invades that space that you find yourself in today. Here here we go as we finish. Here's, Here's two verses to finish with. Luke 24. This is what happened. Jesus had left. All right. He'd been with them. And he left, and the Bible says, as they were waiting, they were continually in the temple, praising and blessing God. Amen. Where were they? They were in the temple. What were they doing? Continually praising God. Amen. In the temple and blessing his name. And Psalm 81 verse 10 says this, I am the Lord thy God, which brought thee out of the land of Egypt. Open thy mouth wide and I will fill it. So I wonder this morning as we finish our service together, I hope you've been encouraged. I hope that you have been exhorted. Because we all have our bad days. Amen. Some days you can be like cloud nine and the next day you're down in the valley of the shadow of death. Life is not fair. And sometimes we find ourselves in some very, very tricky scenarios. But I want to tell you that Joseph, Daniel, the Hebrew boys, Paul and Silas, they all give us a message with their lives. And that message is never bow down to the enemy, but open your mouth wide and allow the Lord to fill it. Sanctify your lips and allow the praises of him who brought you out of darkness into his glorious light begin to fill your heart and fill your mouth and watch what God will do. I'd like to invite the worship team to come up. And we're going to finish off with a song this morning. And we're going to um, just believe for exuberant, joy-filled praise as we finish our service as a statement of faith that, God, I'm going to put myself into action today. And I'm going to rejoice in the Lord. And again, I say rejoice today. Let's stand together in the house of God this morning. Just before we start, maybe today you've recognized that I need to build a fresh altar to the Lord because I haven't always been praising Him. I have caved into the assaults of the enemy. And I know the Word of God is true, Pastor James. I know that if the Word says that my praise will silence my enemy, then I need to freshly activate that which you've given to me as a weapon. So this morning I wonder, is it time for you to consecrate your lips and your life back to the Lord this morning and declare as David did, Soul, you're not going to weigh me down like an anchor and you bury me. But you will rise and praise God today. And I'm going to make a covenant with my lips. And I'm going to consecrate them. That means to dedicate them to the Lord this morning. That they'll be used not as a weapon against me, but they'll be used as a weapon on my behalf. Could we close our eyes for a moment?
if God is speaking to you about this this morning, you don't have to come out of your seat. But I think the Lord is wanting to see the response of your heart this morning. And you can do that simply by saying, Pastor James, this word is just for me today. I've been speaking such a negative confession. I've stopped praising God. I've got buried under the weight of everything that's around me. And today I need to turn that around. So I wonder this morning if you feel comfortable today without anyone looking around. This is between you and God. If we could just close our eyes for a moment. If you're saying to yourself this morning, Lord, I I need to rededicate my life and my lips to the service of the King. Would you quickly raise your hands before the Lord and saying, yeah, Lord, that's me this morning. That's me this morning. God bless you. 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 Many in the house this morning. Father, I join my heart with my brothers and sisters. And I release a fresh sound, the sound of praise. I release the sound of victory. I release the sound of triumph over my enemies. I release the sound of exuberant, raving, clamorous praise before the King of Kings this morning. And I release the anointing that breaks every yoke of bondage. And I release it out of my mouth and out of my lips. And I will say, you will yet praise the Name of the Lord this morning. You will yet rise in Jesus' mighty Name. Woo!